Letter fifty nine of Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Clarissa Harlowe, Volume three, by Samuel Richardson. Letter fifty nine. From Miss Howe, enclosed in the above thursday april twenty seventh i have been making inquiry as i told you i would whether your relations had really before you left them resolved upon that change of measures which your aunt mentions in her letter and by laying together several pieces of intelligence some drawn from my mother through your uncle antony's communications some from miss lloyd by your sisters and some by a third way that i shall not tell you of I have reason to think the following a true state of the case that there was no intention of a change of measures till within two or three days of your going away on the contrary your brother and sister though they had no hope of prevailing with you in Soames's favour were resolved never to give over their persecutions till they had pushed you upon taking some step which by help of their good offices should be deemed inexcusable by the half-witted souls they had to play upon but that at last your mother tired with and perhaps ashamed of the passive part she had acted thought fit to declare to miss bell that she was determined to try and put an end to the family feuds and to get your uncle harlow to second her endeavours this alarmed your brother and sister and then a change of measures was resolved upon Solmes's offers were however too advantageous to be given up and your father's condescension was now to be their sole dependence and as they give it out the trying of what that would do with you their last effort and indeed my dear this must have succeeded i verily think with such a daughter as they had to deal with could that father who never i dare say kneeled in his life but to his god have so far condescended as your aunt writes he would but then my dear what would this have done perhaps you would have given lovelace this meeting in hopes to pacify him and prevent mischief supposing that they had given you time and not hurried you directly into the state but if you had not met him you see that he was resolved to visit them and well attended too and what must have been the consequence so that upon the whole we know not but matters may be best as they are however disagreeable that best is i hope your considerate and thoughtful mind will make a good use of this hint who would not with patience sustain even a great evil if she could persuade herself that it was kindly dispensed in order to prevent a still greater especially if she could sit down as you can and acquit her own heart Permit me one further observation. Do we not see, from the above state of the matter, what might have been done before the worthy person of your family, had she exerted the mother in behalf of a child so meritorious, yet so much oppressed? Adieu, my dear. I will be ever yours. Anna Howe. Clarissa, in her answer to the first of the two last letters, chides her friend for giving so little weight to her advice in relation to her behaviour to her mother it may be proper to insert here the following extracts from that answer though a little before the time 
you assume my dear says she your usual and ever agreeable style in what you write of the two gentlemen and how unaptly you think they have chosen mr hickman in addressing you mr lovelace me but i am inclinable to believe that with a view to happiness however two mild tempers might agree two high ones would make sad work of it both at one time violent and unyielding you two might indeed have raqueted the ball betwixt you as you say but mr hickman by his gentle manners seems formed for you if you go not too far with him if you do it would be a tameness in him to bear it which would make a man more contemptible than mr hickman can ever deserve to be made nor is it a disgrace for even a brave man who knows what a woman is to vow to him afterwards to be very obsequious beforehand do you think it is to the credit of mr lovelace's character that he can be offensive and violent does he not as all such spirits must subject himself to the necessity of making submissions for his excesses far more mortifying to a proud heart than those condescensions which the high-spirited are so apt to impute as a weakness of mind in such a man as mr hickman let me tell you my dear that mr hickman is such a one as would rather bear an affront from a lady than offer one to her he had rather i dare say that she should have occasion to ask his pardon than he hers but my dear you have outlived your first passion and had the second man been an angel he would not have been more than indifferent to you my motives for suspending proceeds she were not merely ceremonious ones i was really very ill i could not hold up my head the contents of my sister's letters had pierced my heart indeed my dear i was very ill and was i moreover to be as ready to accept his offer as if i were afraid he never would repeat it i see with great regret that your mamma is still immovably bent against our correspondence what shall i do about it it goes against me to continue it or to wish you to favour me with returns yet i have so managed my matters that i have no friend but you to advise with it is enough to make one indeed wish to be married to this man though a man of errors as he has worthy relations of my own sex and i should have some friends i hope and having some i might have more for as money is said to increase money so does the countenance of persons of character increase friends while the destitute must be destitute 
it goes against my heart to beg of you to discontinue corresponding with me and yet it is against my conscience to carry it on against parental prohibition but i dare not use all the arguments against it that i could use and why for fear i should convince you and you should reject me as the rest of my friends have done i leave therefore the determination of this point upon you i am not i find to be trusted with it but be mine all the fault and all the punishment if it be punishable and certainly it must when it can be the cause of the letter i have before me and which i must no farther animadvert upon because you forbid me to do so to the second letter among other things she says so my dear you seem to think that there was a fate in my error the cordial the considerate friendship is seen in the observation you make on this occasion yet since things have happened as they have would to heaven i could hear that all the world acquitted my father or at least my mother whose character before these family feuds broke out was the subject of every one's admiration don't let anybody say from you so that it may come to her ear that she might from a timely exertion of her fine talents have saved her unhappy child you will observe my dear that in her own good time when she saw there was not likely to be an end to my brother's persecutions she resolved to exert herself but the pragmatical daughter by the fatal meeting precipitated all and frustrated her indulgent designs oh my love i am now convinced by dear experience that while children are so happy as to have parents or guardians whom they may consult they should not presume no not with the best and purest intentions to follow their own conceits in material cases a ray of hope of future reconciliation darts in upon my mind from the intention you tell me my mother had to exert herself in my favor had i not gone away and my hope is the stronger as this communication points out to me that my uncle harlowe's interest is likely in my mother's opinion to be of weight if it could be engaged it will behove me perhaps to apply to that dear uncle if a proper occasion offer End of letter fifty nine